Have you ever had imposter syndrome? We're going to learn all about it and how you can overcome imposter syndrome on today's episode of Music Therapy. Hey everybody, welcome to Music Therapy. I'm Jessica Risker. I'm a musician based here in Chicago, Illinois, and I am also a licensed clinical professional counselor. Music Therapy is a mental health podcast for musicians and music fans. Visit musictherapypodcast.com for previous episodes and upcoming events. A little announcement, my band will be opening for the legendary Simon Joyner at the Hideout on July 19th. I am so excited for this show. We are also having our next group session, which is a live taping of Music Therapy. Our next group session at Cafe Mustache is on July 13th. And that is going to feature Chicago band Burr Oak. We'll have a conversation with the full band. We'll have some comedy, some video, and they will also give a special live performance. So come on out to Cafe Mustache on Wednesday evening, July 13th, for the live taping of Music Therapy Group Session. Today, I am so excited to share this conversation with you. This is something that I think is going to resonate with a lot of you guys. It's all about imposter syndrome. To learn more about imposter syndrome, I spoke with psychologist Dr. Lincoln Hill. Dr. Lincoln Hill did her dissertation on imposter syndrome and works with many clients on imposter syndrome. So stay tuned to learn all about imposter syndrome and what you can do to overcome your own feelings of imposter syndrome. First, we're going to have a little bit of music. Here's one of my songs. It's called Zero Summer Mind.
Okay, that was Zero Summer Mind by Jessica Risker. And all the cool background noises and swirls are by my bandmate, Joshua Wentz, who also engineers the episodes of Music Therapy. And now let's turn to my conversation with Dr. Lincoln Hill on imposter syndrome. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Hill. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So I did a a very informal poll on Instagram and asked um, people if they have ever experienced imposter syndrome. And I actually did get a lot of responses and over 90% of people said that they have, which is not a scientific poll, but also seems like a lot of people are connecting with that. Um, And I am so interested to learn a little bit more about what exactly imposter syndrome is and maybe offering some advice um, or some coping strategies for people who do experience imposter syndrome. Absolutely. So maybe we can start out and uh, just open it up with the question, what is imposter syndrome? I think that's a great question because I think a lot of times we hear the term, but we don't really have a sense of what exactly are we talking about? Right. So in the research, um, imposter syndrome is kind of defined as the imposter phenomenon. That's how it was originally coined by the initial researchers and clinicians who discovered it. Right. So they were basically looking at um, primarily a sample of middle class white women who were um, really high achieving. Um, And they found that these women, despite all these achievements that they had, had a really difficult time internalizing those successes. Right. So it basically refers to people who believe that they're incompetent, despite objective evidence to the contrary. Right. So they tend to discount their successes. They tend to associate their achievements with luck and they tend to view um, themselves as frauds when they're afraid of being outed by people who are important to them. So that could be like their their bosses, their colleagues, whoever's important to them. They're afraid of being found out as a fraud and imposter, if you will. Right. Um, So that's really what it refers to. But I think nowadays um, people kind of associate it with a lot of different terms like press. I don't know what I'm saying right now. Sorry. (laughs) We'll take that little part out if you don't mind. (laughs) Sure. Okay. Okay. Um, But I think it's important to understand like what the origins of the term, um, what the origins of the term kind of where the the term originated, basically. I think that's really important. Yeah. Okay. Now is imposter syndrome a clinical diagnosis? No, so it's not. So it's associated though with a lot of other mental health outcomes, right? So it's been associated with um, negative psychological mental health. Um, It's been associated with things like self-monitoring, self-esteem, self-efficacy, stuff like that, but it's not necessarily a term that's in the uh, DSM. It's not a clinical diagnosis. Yeah. So, but it's something that we, I think so many people have heard of and, you know, I did a um, episode recently on toxic people, which is kind of the same thing. It's something we've all heard this term, but we don't have this on an official term. And that's part of the reason to explore this. So, um, the, the, the definition you gave or the explanation of it, you know, makes me think that it's kind of this secret feeling people have inside that they carry with them. Um, and what, what might, what might cause imposter syndrome What might lead to somebody experiencing imposter syndrome? Yeah. Great question. Right. That's the thing that I'm always really interested in. So the initial researchers, um, they felt that some of it could be family socialization, but also societal messages about your group. And initially they really thought the imposter syndrome uniquely affected women compared to other gender groups. Um, But now we have a lot of research that shows that other groups of genders experience it at the same levels, but the reasons for it might be different. So they suggested that maybe if you come from a family um, who says that you're amazing, no matter what you do, right? They just give you all this flattery all the time. You kind of have a hard sense of saying, well, what exactly, 
was my talent? What exactly is just people telling me that I'm good? People might doubt themselves in that way. Um, someone may have an achievement and their family may tell them, oh, you got that because you're so charming, you're so sweet, you're so pretty, you're so et cetera. Anything outside of it coming from you. And that person may then go on to uh, doubt their abilities in the future. Like, is that really because I worked hard and I'm deserving of this? Or is it just because I'm pretty or because I'm charming, et cetera, et cetera? And they also thought that it could have something to do with the societal implications of success too, right? So for women in particular, a lot of times women are punished for being successful, especially in fields that are driven by men. Um, so this kind of idea of by kind of feeling like this, this humility, like this, uh, this type of lack of confidence, then I'm allowed to stay in these places. Like they wouldn't let me really stay up here if I were braggadocious, if I were really confident in myself. So it's almost like the self-protective thing. So there's a lot of things like that that happen. And there's also a lot of different things that kind of maintain the imposter syndrome for folks, which I can talk about too, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Look, can I um, yeah. ask a question about sure. so something that you said there, you know, I'm just zeroing in on one piece of that, but you were saying someone might have gotten messaging like, oh, you did that because you're so, you're so pretty or you're so charming. And you kind of differentiated that with someone's like, well, did, did I not get that because I worked hard? And it feels like there's a mismatch between the outer messaging that they're getting, which feels more maybe hollow or shallow mm -hmm. than the, it's not connecting with maybe someone's own sense of work or motivation or is, is that correct? Absolutely. Right. Like the sense of make, it makes you question it. It's like, well, well, is this actually me or is it these other things that maybe didn't necessarily take work or effort? Right. Is it just that I'm a social person and that's why I get in these positions? Or is it that I'm actually hardworking and maybe just deserving of this because of the work I put in? And oh. it makes people question that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, gotcha. So let's see. Now that I, I got lost in that thought, I almost forgot about what you wanted to continue yeah. talking about. <laughs> no worries. I was going to talk about at least the original study of what they said uh, could be maintaining the imposter syndrome. Yeah, that, yes, please. Yeah. And I think all of this makes sense to folks. Like, I think we can see this in ourselves or other people, but the first one was hard work, right? So this idea that if you're working hard, um, you're going to try to disguise your incompetence. But what typically happens is when we work really hard, we tend to get like positive outcomes based off of that, right? So say you work really hard because um, you got a promotion. You're like, I don't deserve this promotion. So you work your butt off to prove that you belong there. And then you work so hard that you get another promotion. You're like, oh, they're going to find out about me. I just need to work hard to, to disguise my incompetence. And it keeps happening. And it becomes this like fulfilling cycle of you continuing to have achievements that you can't internalize, right? Um, and can't another, internalize it. That seems, sorry to interrupt you, but that yeah. seems like a big part of it. Like you can't internalize that. It's just Absolutely. not solidifying in there. Absolutely. It is not, it's not internalized at all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you may hear that messaging intellectually, but emotionally it's not taking hold. Absolutely not. Like okay. it doesn't feel like it matches. It doesn't yeah. feel like it matches that. Gotcha. Yeah, and another thing too in the original study that they said could be something that maintains the imposter syndrome in folks is intellectual flattery, right? So this might be hiding your own beliefs and your opinions to just reflect what someone else, usually a person in authority, wants to hear from you, right? So maybe you're um, in class and you know your professor has certain beliefs or like certain authors or et cetera, right? So you just kind of parrot what you think your professor or person in authority wants to hear, right? So they're telling you, oh, that's great. You're brilliant. You're brilliant. But you're thinking, well, that's not really my opinion. I'm not really brilliant. Yeah. I'm just flattering you. Yeah. Uh, so that's something else that might maintain the sense of imposter syndrome in the person. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And another one too was, like I said earlier, with charm and social sensitivity. So this idea of 
trying to win approval from other people. This one was interesting to me. It's basically like if you you have a respected authority figure. So again, maybe a mentor, um, maybe a boss, it could be anybody, right? And they spend time with you, they know your work and they're telling you like you're really great and you really want their approval. You want them to kind of co-sign your abilities. But then once they do, you're like, ah, maybe this person isn't actually um, the best person to, to do that. So then uh, you kind of, yeah, undermine, yeah. you undermine they're- whatever they're saying. Right. So, and I think we've all can imagine times where that's happened. Like they don't really know what they're talking about. And then you find somebody else who can be that mentor and kind of fill in that role. And the cycle continues because they're probably going to validate you as well, but they don't know what they're talking about. Now they're not as trusted of a source for me. Yeah. So we're talking about this core belief that I'm a fraud. And so everything's kind of rippling out from that. So even if someone's telling you you're not, you're going Mm -hmm. to view them through that fraud, fraud rather filter. Mm -hmm. And well, that you must not be correct because I know I'm a fraud. Absolutely. Keeps spilling out. Yeah. So yeah, Yeah. despite having all these external um, things that should maybe be validating you and telling you like, yes, like you got these grades, you got this promotion, you did all these things. You're like, nope, they're wrong. I'm a fraud. And um, I just need to make sure they never find out about that. Yeah. And I just need to make sure they never find out about that. Can you speak Mm -hmm. to that piece? I need to like make it keep that safe, keep that secret. Yeah. That's the part that's always really interesting. And that's when people like try to disguise what they believe is their incompetence. Right. So they're like, Oh, I just need to work extra, extra hard. And that way um, I'll be worthy of this thing, or this will be disguising the fact that I'm so incompetent. Right. Let me take on a whole bunch of extra things so that I can prove this. Right. And it's because it's like, I don't want people to know that I'm not supposed to be here. So I'm going to like push myself to these limits to kind of prove that I'm not a fraud, but I still believe I am one. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, again, that mismatch that keeps happening between someone's internal experience and what other people are seeing as well. Yeah, it feels like it's this just uh, eternal chase. Yes. You know, um, I don't know what you think about this, but um, I was also thinking about imposter syndrome. Could we think about it in terms of you know, there's, there's such a social component to it, how I'm being perceived. Yeah. And I guess I was wondering if there's any link between imposter syndrome and anxiety or social anxiety, the way that others yeah. are perceiving me. There are connections. There have been studies that have shown um, connections between those two things. I don't know if there's necessarily been studies that show that anxiety is kind of the underlying thing that's happening, mm-hmm. but it's absolutely tied to anxiety and other uh, negative mental health outcomes too. Gotcha. Yeah. But Yeah, absolutely what you're saying of like the social implications. And I think that's also a piece of what I've looked at with my research and what I really focus around um, is there are certain people in this world who are treated like imposters, despite having um, amazing resumes, despite having all of these credentials, despite having all these skills, they're treated like imposters, maybe because of their race, their gender, age, a whole bunch of different things, right? So then you have to kind of look at that because it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Like what messages are people learning about themselves from these other people? What, what are people telling them about their worth? What are people telling them about their value? Yes. Okay. Let's see if someone's listening to this and they're thinking about, you know, have I experienced this or I think that I have, let's kind of zone in on what that experience might look like. What kinds of feelings might somebody have Mm -hmm. uh, when they're experiencing imposter syndrome? Yeah. I think a lot of what you said earlier, some of that anxiety, some of that social anxiety, um, noticing like just discounting yourself. Like if you get a compliment from somebody, do you immediately kind of rebuff it? That might be a sign. Um, do you wait to, to share positive news? Are you waiting for something bad to happen with that? 
things like that. Um, oh. Yeah. And the, well, uh, yeah. And there's, there's actually the Clance imposter phenomenon scale, which is kind of a test, a 20 item uh, test, a kind of rating where you are when it comes to imposter syndrome. And it what has is that called these, again? Yeah, it's the Clance imposter phenomenon scale. Okay. And you can access it on, um, I believe, let me, I think I have the link here. I can send you that too if you would like. Oh, and I will put that on the show notes page at uh, musictherapypodcast.com for for everybody listening. But yeah, that's great. Tell us a little about that. Yeah, so that is something that I've used um, in research, but also I've used it just kind of clinically with clients who think that they um, like endorse high levels of the imposter syndrome, right? So it's just a 20 item test kind of as you um, asking how often these things happen for you. And like I said, it kind of gets into things around like, do you discount your achievements? Um, How do you handle compliments? basically kind of getting into the sense of how do you really feel about yourself whenever these types of things happen. I think people are often really surprised at how they score once they tally up their results. And it kind of gives you a kind of a a range of what your score might mean, what it might be saying. And I think that's helpful for people to kind of get a sense of, oh yeah, these are things that I've been dealing with for most of my life, or this is something. And here I can point down, point to specific examples of how this shows up for me. Okay. Um, is there a difference between imposter syndrome and low self-esteem? Yes. So with the research, yes, there is a difference, um, but they're probably connected, right? Like it would make sense for someone to be a high imposter that they'd also feel um, they'd have low self-esteem, right? But there is a difference between that. And that's why I like to get into like the definition of imposter syndrome, right? Like the sense of these are objectively competent, high achieving people who have a difficult time internalizing their achievements. So it feels a bit different when we're talking about self-esteem or self-concept, right? And that's the part that I like to get really specific about. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, So I would imagine I had another question about what kinds of behaviors are associated with imposter syndrome. I don't know if you can speak to that or if that's also included on the scale you're referring to. Yeah. Well, actually, let me pull it up too, just so. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's, that's helpful for me as well. I have... When I was doing my dissertation, I had all the, the imposter phenomenon uh, tests everywhere. So I'm going to see if I still Did you do them. a dissertation on imposter syndrome? I did. My dissertation was on imposter syndrome um, in Black women college students. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like I, yeah, once I learned what the term was, it's like, oh, I have to, to know more about this. I have to. Have, can I ask, sure. have you ever felt imposter syndrome? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's part of what they say in especially psychology research um, is that we just do me search. <laughs> so a lot of our 100%. research is related, absolutely to stuff that we've experienced. Um, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. But I think for me, um, and I don't mind you sharing that too uh, with your audience, but I think for me, having language for it was really important and understanding that there's this whole study around it. There's a whole lot of research around it, particularly not just looking at imposter phenomenon, but also looking at um, what it looks like for for different races of people, like how it might impact you. That was really important to me. And it gave me language. And I think language is really helpful for legitimizing folks' experiences too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But just to show you, I pulled up the the scale, the test here. Right. So, So the first question, I've often succeeded on a test for task, even though I was afraid that I would not do well before. Um, before I undertook the task. I can give the impression that I'm more competent than I really am. I avoid evaluations if possible and have a dread of others evaluating me. When people praise me for something I've accomplished, I'm afraid I won't be able to live up to their expectations of me in the future. So those are the types of things that you're kind of looking at, right? So that could absolutely be related to self-esteem or self-doubt or a whole bunch of other things, but it's kind of unique to this idea of there's these achievements and this is how I respond to them. 
Right. Why might somebody fear an evaluation? Yeah, they might assume that people are going to give them negative evaluations because that's how they feel about themselves, that they might not be good enough, that they're really an imposter. If you give oh, me this be found out. they're going to be found out. Yeah. Yeah. That's an important part, especially of significant people. So usually people giving you evaluations might be your colleagues or classmates or um, a supervisor, right? So you're going to be really afraid of being found out. So rather than being like, yeah, I, this kind of fits with how I feel about myself and my work, you might just feel relief. Like, whoop, didn't get found out today. Oh. We made it past. Can we dig into that for a moment? Found out. If someone's found out, what are they? That is very vulnerable. That's very exposing, I imagine, that feeling. What is that feeling? I'm found out. What have you seen? Yeah, to me, it's like the sense of I'm being exposed, right? Like you maybe see me how I see me. Like you know that I'm not really worthy of all this stuff. You know that I'm really, really not great at this, right? Now I'm being found out. And I think it's the sense of shame that people feel mm. when it comes to the sense of being found out as being a fraud, right? But then again, the whole point with the imposter syndrome is you continue to be high achieving. So no one's really probably viewing you that way, yeah. right? But the stakes get higher and higher for you. Like the higher I get, the more they're going to find out. I'm a fraud. I'm an imposter. That's not necessarily true. That's just how you feel about yourself. Yeah, that that I'm that was feelings I'm feeling really exposed, really and, and the shame feeling I think yeah. is important there too. Um, at being part of the root of this feeling. Absolutely. Absolutely. That that shame, if we can dig a little deeper, yeah. what do you think what do you think that shame feeling is coming from or what is that about? Yeah, I think that's really coming from the internal belief the person has, right? Like the sense of there's something wrong with me. There's something bad about me, right? And I can't let people know about that or else all this stuff is going to go away. Mm. And that's how I feel about myself, right? So I'm going to keep up what I believe is a facade when really it probably is just like high achievement, working really hard, right? So that I can continue to hide this part of me that feels so ugly and so bad. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I think we've, I feel like we've dug into kind of what this is. Do you feel like we've covered? Absolutely. Yeah. So let's, let's move on to um, the, the second part of our conversation. There's, there's three parts here. The second part is how do you deal with imposter syndrome? So what can someone do if, if they're having these feelings? Yeah, I think the first part of it is even just being being curious about it, right? Being curious about, like, at least for me as a clinician, I'm always curious about, are there moments when this is activated and it's really heightened versus moments where it's not, right? And even with like my, my dissertation research, I was really curious about that, right? Like what, what are these experiences? How do we contextualize a little bit and how do we kind of look into that, right? So rather than it being just a you problem, like there's something wrong with me versus like, how do we understand the context of this? Is it when you're in environments where you're, you're the only, whether that's the only woman, the only black person, the only whatever, right? Or those moments where it's heightened. Um, is it when you're around people who might seem really judgmental or they might seem like they're shaming you? Mm-hmm. Are those moments where it's heightened for you? And what are the moments where you feel more affirmed when you don't feel like an imposter, when you do feel like you're accepted? How do we get a hold of those and understand it so that we can kind of bolster those strengths and also understand the situations that might leave you a little more susceptible to it? Um, an approach I always take is thinking about like environmental impacts as well. Like what's your environment doing to contribute to this or not contribute to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then really thinking about how do you respond whenever these, uh, the beliefs happen for you. Um, if you're, if you're feeling shamed, do you hide? Oftentimes when we're feeling ashamed, we do hide. What would it be like to kind of come to the light? 
And I think that's one of the benefits of the imposter syndrome uh, being talked about so much just on social media and pop culture is you have a lot of people saying, oh my gosh, I have felt the same way that Michelle Obama has felt. I have felt the same way that this, this famous actress has felt. Um, and people feel less alone. And then people are really able to contextualize it a little bit more to where it's not just a me problem, but maybe it's a social problem, right? And there are systems in place that make certain people feel like they're less belonging than they um, than other people, right? Okay, um, so, uh-huh. so those are the first things I think of when I think okay. about reflection. Um, another approach I take with my clients too is really working on self-compassion, right? So to me, it isn't even just this idea of like, I am valuable because I have achieved X, Y, or Z. It's like, how do we get to the point where you're able to find value in yourself aside from that? Yeah. And then how do you find value in yourself when you fail? Because we're all going to fail, right. right? And to me, like that is the ultimate goal. It's like, I can love myself. I can have compassion for myself during the highs, but also my lows too. Right. So that's a lot of the work I look at. Um, so self-compassion. So Dr. Kristen Neff has amazing resources online for free on her website. I don't know if you're familiar with her website. I am not, but I will also put that in the show notes. Awesome. I can, I can send you a list too of some of the resources I have. Um, but her website is selfcompassion.org. Okay. There's a self-compassion test you can take on her website. Um, there's a whole bunch of mindfulness activities and psychoeducational resources too. Um, Headspace also has a course on self-esteem. And like we're saying, those are separate things, but it could be related. I imagine like bolstering your self-esteem could also help you when it comes to those high imposter moments. Um, and also the NAP ministry does a lot of work around, I don't know if you heard of the NAP ministry. Mm-mm. Yeah. Basically kind of how it sounds like just talking about rest, um, kind of this like anti-capitalist framework for thinking about um, our health and our wellness. Right. And I think that's helpful too, because so much of the imposter sy- sy- syndrome to me is tied to capitalism and this idea of achieving, 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 mm-hmm. like we can achieve our way out of shame, achieve our way into value. And we find that that's not really the case. Right. Um, so those are a lot of the resources that I share with people. Um, as far as books too, Radical Acceptance, um, Everything by Brene Brown, very much enjoy her work, especially um, around imperfection um, and shape and resilience. Um, yeah, those are a lot of the ways that I kind of approach it with people. Amazing. Um, I will put links to all of those things in the show notes, musictherapypodcast.com. Um, what are the best in your opinion, modalities of therapy to help manage and understand imposter syndrome? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, It depends, right? Like I think of like CBT, which isn't how I practice. I practice as a relational cultural therapist. So I focus a lot on um, being process oriented. I focus a lot on identity, um, relationships, but even CBT, like the fact that you can maybe challenge some of these thoughts when they come up, um, but look at the evidence for them. You're going to see like, these things are mismatched. What do we do with that? Look at your cognitive distortions. Um, But I think really any approach that really kind of gets you into challenging those beliefs that you have, but also kind of allowing a little bit flexibility for you to kind of maybe accept different truths about yourself, um, that your value maybe isn't in all these other things. I think that's helpful. Yeah. Have you ever, are you familiar with Byron Katie? Um, it's at thework.org. She's got a set of four questions that help you challenge beliefs and they're really powerful, I think. Yeah. Um, anyway, you might be interested in That's that. Right. Yeah. But, do, you, do you know what the questions are? I can also um, So you identify a thought. So maybe I'm bad at my job. And then the first question is, do you know that that's true? And then mm. someone might say yes or no. And then the second question is, can you absolutely 100% in the grand scheme of the universe know that that's true? And that's yeah. the question that kind of makes people maybe open like, well, maybe, 
maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. The third question is, how do you feel? What do you think and do when you believe that thought? So maybe I hide this or that, or I, you know, go out of my way to whatever. You might fill in the blank with that. And then the fourth question is, who would you be without that thought? I love that. And then mm-hmm. you kind of open to experiencing life without the thought. And it could be really uh, just a short, not a shortcut exactly, but a, a way to explore um, kind of these thoughts that we're talking about. Um, okay. Is there anything else that, let me, let me ask you this, actually, if you have a friend, you know, I'm this music, this, um, podcast is geared towards musicians and music fans. So maybe you have a bandmate or maybe you have a friend who's a musician or artist friend or something like that. If you have a friend who's struggling with imposter syndrome, what could a friend do to help somebody? Oh, I love that question. I love that. Right. I I think for me, and I would imagine for most people, it's easier to affirm other people. It's easier to support other people, right? So I think that's where community really comes into play. So being, being a good community member, being a good support, right? So that may be validating your friend, maybe complimenting them on things other than their external achievements, mm. reminding them of their internal value just by existing, reminding them of those things, and just maybe being a safe space. I think a lot of times, too, with imposter syndrome, um, especially if you know that a person has worked super hard and you're like, you are not an imposter. You're incredible. I I believe so many positive things about you. It can be easy to, to maybe dismiss their feelings to dismiss what they're saying. So just be a listening ear and hold the fact that maybe they feel this way about them. And I can also hold that I feel differently about you. And I can hold both of those things together. They don't have to like constantly be in tension. And Mm. I think that's helpful for people to feel like they can openly talk about this without being shut down. Right. I, I see that a lot with um, clients who talk about imposter syndrome because they feel like they can't talk to certain people about it because they'll just kind of basically tell them to shut up. Like, that's not true. Oh. And that isn't always helpful. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 I think it's really, you know, I'm really struck by this. Um, this people placing this sense of worth on what they do, their accomplishments, where in fact, what we're talking about is just as a human being, a feeling of I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's heartbreaking. Yeah. But I think, you know, you're talking about, don't just say, well, you, you played this big show. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there's your proof, but mm-hmm. just saying, even if you didn't play a show, I love you just as you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. seems like that's what some, you know, I think it's probably across the board. We're all Hello? feeling <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm all kind agree. of struggling. With. Um, okay. Let's, well, so I, this is the third section. And if you have uh, just a couple more minutes, sure. these were some questions yeah. from listeners. Um, mm-hmm. I asked for some questions to ask you. They were excited that I was going to talk to you. So um, someone asked, does attachment trauma in childhood cause imposter syndrome in adults? That's a good question. I like to stay away from causation, right? Yeah. There could there could be some relation to that for different people, right? So sometimes with my work in therapy, I like to kind of ask people about when did you first feel this way? When did you first learn this? Um, and sometimes we get to, to attachment trauma. We get to those early like caregiver relationships um, where they were maybe only only seen positively when they were performing well, right? And those things can kind of impact how how you understand the imposter mm. syndrome in your life now or this idea that you got to like perform your way to love, perform yeah. your way to value, right? So so probably, it might depend on the person though, but I think with therapy, you can really kind of explore those core beliefs and where they originated. 
Yeah. I can also see too many musicians, you know, so much of their identity or artists mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. in their art. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of that gets tied into are people seeing me, meaning my art? Are people yeah. seeing what I do? This is so important to me. Are they seeing this? Am I getting the recognition? And if not, what does that say about me? Absolutely. So again, this kind of gap between who you are, is kind of separating that from what you do. Absolutely. Right. And I think about like what you're saying with art too, like whether you're a musician or any other art form, so much of it is subjective, right? It's something mm. that may feel great to you. Other people may not like, right? right? And I imagine that impacts the experience in such a unique and different way, right? Um, kind of having to balance what works for me versus what works for other people. And how is that tied to value? But those are questions that you might have to tease apart to really understand. Absolutely. Putting your own artwork out there is so vulnerable. You've said, this is my yeah. thing and I've made it. And what do you think? You know, that's mm -hmm. a big, big thing to share. So yeah, I, I think that that's a great point. Um, another question, there's two more questions. Here is, um, why does it seem to be more common? Um, and we can ask whether this is true. You spoke mm -hmm. a little bit to this. Um, why does it seem to be more common with women, people of color and or first or second generation immigrants? Yeah, I think for me and the research that I've looked at, because I've been having those similar questions, it's like some of the research will say that there aren't gender differences. And it might say that there's some racial differences too when we look at racial and ethnic groups. But the, the thing that I'm always interested in is why are people endorsing this, right? Where is this coming from? And what's the context we're looking at? Like if you were a first-gen college student and you were in a predominantly white school and you were like, I have no, no background for this, mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of messages that are going to be implicit and explicit telling you that you don't belong here, right? So then of course you might internalize that as, I don't belong here. I'm an imposter. There's nobody who looks like me on this board. There's nobody who looks like me in this job, mm -hmm. right? That's one way. Um, and I think with race and with gender, it's kind of the same exact thing. Um, and like I said earlier, like one of the things uh, the initial researcher said about the maintenance for the imposter syndrome is societal rejection, right? So like for women um, who are trying to break that glass ceiling, this idea of, well, I can't be a confident woman um, the way a man might be in this position, I've got to kind of be a little bit more humble, right? Because it's going to seem really threatening and society might reject me mm -hmm. if I take up too much space. Mm -hmm. and I think Black women especially experience that. I think people who are um, from all types of minoritized backgrounds experience that, right? So it's this sense of like, I'm allowed to be here, but I'm not allowed to like take up space and feel confident in it in a way. Yeah. So that could be something that's happening yeah. too. Could okay. be. Um, yeah. Another question um, is... I, th I thought this was an interesting question. What purpose might imposter syndrome serve? Love that question, right? And I think kind of like uh, what they said with the maintenance factors, like that hard work. It's like, oh, I, I didn't deserve this. I'm going to work really hard to prove it. And it's like you end up being really, really high achieving through this. And it's like it keeps you going. So I wonder for some people, if you, if you kind of internalize this belief that, yeah, I am deserving of all of my successes, Maybe you're afraid you're not going to work as hard anymore, mm, yeah. right? Like maybe there's something motivating about feeling like an imposter and that you have to constantly prove something to yourself, right? Um, so that could be a motivation for it. Um, like I said, a desire to avoid rejection, that could be a way for it. Um, that kind of almost it reminds me of like that self-deprecating humor sometimes. Like yeah. people do it. Yeah. Like it allows you to kind of get close to it, but not too far. It allows you to feel safe in a way. Yeah. So maybe that's part of why it's maintained. Um, in a protective way for people. Yeah, or kind of a way of saying, I'm self-aware. I don't want you to think that I'm not. Okay, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. that was a good question. Absolutely. I This has been so great. 
thank you so yes. much for thank your you. time. Yeah, this has been fun. I love talking about imposter syndrome stuff. So thanks it's, for having I, me. I know it's going to be really helpful. Um, if somebody wanted to contact you or maybe work with you, I know you're pretty busy, but where where can people find you and learn more about you and your work? Absolutely. So feel free to come to my website, uh, thecenterforliberationwellness.com, thecenterforliberationwellness.com, just say it again. <laughs> Um, also you can feel free, uh, what else can you, where can you find me? I think that's the best way probably. Um, I'm on therapy for black girls as well. If you're looking, um, to start therapy, um, feel free to just look up my name, Lincoln Hill. Um, I have a medium page where I usually like last year, spent a lot of time writing, um, about imposter syndrome and other kind of issues related to to health and wellness too. So again, to search for me for under Lincoln Hill on medium too. Great. And I, again, I will put links to all of this, um, on the show notes for our conversation at musictherapypodcast.com. Thank you so, so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, that was such a great conversation. I want to thank Dr. Hill for her time today. As I said in our conversation, please visit musictherapypodcast.com for show notes where I will put links to all of the amazing resources that we talked about today. I hope that you guys have been doing well and enjoying your summers. I'm going to take a break next week, 4th of July week, a little vacation, but we'll be back the following week. Come on out to Cafe Mustache on July 13th for our group session taping with Burr Oak. And of course, get your tickets for our hideout show where my band will be opening for Simon Joyner. Music Therapy is hosted by Jessica Risker, produced by Sullivan Davis of Local Universe, and engineered by Joshua Wentz in Chicago. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Peace and love until I see you again. Mm